0: It's not a problem not to understand it. So you just have to know, can I do this? Can I do that? You have to ask the right person what you have to do, and after how you do. Because the, the most advanced uh, yogis are people who don't understand anything anymore.
1: Yoga is one of the oldest physical activities. The word yoga comes from Sanskrit and means to unite, in the sense of uniting body and mind. For some people, yoga means a deep stretching of the body, for others, it is a sport. For still others, it is like meditation or a spiritual path. But what does it really mean to practice yoga? In this episode, I talk to yoga teacher Sebastien Dupont about meditation and entering an inner stillness and state of egolessness. Why yoga is not for everyone, mantras, the spiritual path is a struggle, and that a little yoga brings a little relief. Since more than twenty-five years, you are practicing yoga for yourself, and I'm interested in why you started to do yoga at the at first, and when did you decide to not only do yoga privately but also become a teacher?
0: It's a good question, and uh, if I remember, the first contact with uh, not directly with yoga but with uh, spirituality was uh, when I was about fourteen. I was uh, I was reading already about meditation, and I was uh, I remember I was going to the to the book uh, store, and I was uh, I was buying some books with my parents about meditation. So it has always uh, been interesting for me this topic of meditation. And only a few years after, when I was sixteen, seventeen, I I wanted to do something uh, for my body also. Because I was a teenager, I didn't feel very good with my body uh, and I wanted something uh, more physical and related to spirituality also. I was doing some martial art at school, like everybody, and and it was not my, uh, I felt that it was not uh, really the the way I wanted to take. And then I discovered, uh, again, through books, because I was only 16, there were no yoga classes for me, I didn't know. And I started yoga with the books of uh, André van Lisbeth. I don't know if you heard about André van Lisbeth. It's a Belgian yoga teacher. It's one of the first yoga teachers uh, teaching in the West. And uh, his books are really good and really attractive for a beginner.
1: That means you started with meditation and you became then, um, you did practice for yourself. But why why did you start to say, okay, now I want to teach others what, what happened in your life?
0: To teach others, it was already uh, 12 years after I started yoga. I started when I was 16, uh, maybe 17, I don't know exactly. And I started uh, teaching when I was 28, when I was 28 only. I never wanted to be a yoga teacher, never. For me, I was into music, I was uh, playing, I was uh, teaching. And, uh, and then I, I felt like also teaching music, um, I was teaching soft yoga. you know, it was not especially, uh, for me, at least it was not really what I wanted to do with my life. And, uh, I started to give, uh, little yoga classes to the, to the students, my colleagues of the conservatory, I was sitting in Lyon, the conservatory. And, uh, I started to give uh, classes to my colleagues and they say, no, oh, it's, uh, it's really good the way you teach and you should do this. It's nice when you teach yoga and it was uh, so I finished my studies at the conservatory when I was 28. I got my diploma and I decided to to teach yoga and to do only this.
1: So it was actually something that you didn't plan but just happened naturally.
0: Yeah, I definitely didn't plan didn't plan it. But after when I decided to teach, I was uh, in uh, I was living next to Geneva at this time. And I decided to when I decided to teach, I decided actively to look for students, and to, it's not very, so romantic that uh, I didn't <laughs> decide anything. I decided to to teach yoga, and I was looking for studio to teach. I was teaching, I got some private classes, and uh, and um, yeah, that's the way I started teaching yoga.
1: You know, the, the, the word yoga for me, it's really interesting because when, when you say yoga to any kind of age, everybody thinks that they know what yoga is. And when I think about yoga, the first thing that pops into my head is this very flexible people or the, the, I don't know, woman running around in yoga pants. And it's more like this fashionable item. So I was wondering what is actually yoga? Can, can you share with us what, what yoga means?
0: Maybe it's true that uh, people have a very have very different understanding about what uh, what yoga is, and that's a little bit uh, the the paradox when you when you when you teach in a studio, for instance. You have twenty people in front of you. You have five which are interested by the spirituality of yoga. They want to attain meditation. Um, And most of them, some of them want to be stronger. Some of them just want to lose kilograms. Some of them are stressed. And it's it may look as a big problem, but in fact, it works. I mean, all these people are practicing yoga. Of course, different people with different styles of yoga. But um, if you teach in the right direction, you can bring even people who are really not interested about uh uh, spirituality to something uh, spiritual through so the the breathing exercise for instance or, um, so to answer your question is very long could be very long but um, yoga is uh, is a spiritual practice from india uh, it's something spiritual it's uh, it's It depends on which level I want to answer this question. But if I want to answer from the very Indian point of view, there are four ways for yoga, which has been uh, detailed by Vivekananda, but it doesn't matter. The first one is karma yoga. Karma yoga is the yoga of action. So it's the yoga of the hands. It's yoga of people who have a lot of duties, uh, big families, a lot of work. And we are all kind of karma yogis now, because we don't teach to monks um the second uh, way, the second way to attain uh, immortality, or moksha or freedom, is uh, bhakti yoga. And bhakti yoga is very close to religion. It's about prayer. There is no question of asana, of uh, posture in these both uh, two types of yoga. One is about doing your work in a special state of mind. I will not enter into the details on this. Second one is the prayer and devotion. It's the, the way of the heart, way of love uh third one is uh gnana yoga gnana is the way of the of the brain understanding that uh understanding who i am and that understanding ultimately that everything is one and there is no me there is no there is no you there is no difference that's gnana uh, yoga so we have the three uh The three ways, the three first ways, the way of the hand, the way of the heart, the way of the brain. And the last one is called uh, Raja Yoga. Raja Yoga is the the royal uh, yoga, is the way of controlling the mind. Because when you do your action perfectly, Karma Yoga, there is no ego. When you love God with with your whole heart, there is no ego. When you uh, understand perfectly who you are, there is no ego. And when you control your mind, it means when you are able to make your mind totally quiet and silent, there is no ego. So the last one that we call Raja Yoga is containing, in a way, Hatha Yoga. Hatha Yoga is a branch of Raja Yoga. It's the way to control the mind. And in in Hatha Yoga, we use the body. We use the body positions, many asanas, many positions, and breathing exercises. So that's the way of um, union or unity through the body and the breath, the control of the body and the breath, and the control of the mind—that's contained in Raja Yoga, the fourth uh, different, the fourth uh, method, the fourth way to uh, to freedom.
1: I I tried to summarize it for me. So yoga is. Is um, unifying um, body awareness and and mind. And what you said, what I really thought, it's interesting. And you once even said it in different words in a yoga class that I attended, was that the poses prepare you for meditation and the breathing also for meditation. And and the the aim is to have like a an egoless state. Is this right?
0: It's absolutely like this. We have to remember that anything we do in a yoga class, in a yoga class that is really turned in the right direction, is in order to uh, not to reach meditation, but to be reached by meditation. So how to free uh, the inner space, to free enough inner space into our body, into our breath, into our mind, to um, create that uh, vacuum that will attract meditation. Maybe it's like this. We can say it like this in a way. We can explain it in other ways. But it's a kind of cleaning. So you clean the body, you clean your breath, you clean your mind. There are also techniques of concentration. For instance, when you look at the flame of a candle, and when everything is clean, when everything is really um, empty, uh, ready, um, relaxed, then there is an opening for something else. And as soon as there is this opening, this something else can come.
1: So you try to reach an empty state. That something that you don't know what will come enters the state.
0: Yeah. But as soon as it's just words, but as soon as you say, I try to reach one state, it means you want to take yourself in that state. And the, the yourself is what you have to quit to, uh, to let this state uh, happen?
1: I think this is the, the hard thing for me because, you know, I tried meditation so many times. And first I started with mantras to keep my mind busy because mm-hmm. I was always in my mind when I was sitting. Mm-hmm. And I, I still do the same when 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 I'm unsure or when I'm afraid then I'm saying things to myself because it feels for me safe. And sometimes I reached this point where I felt like, oh, there was this the silent that you were talking about, Mm -hmm. but I actually, it is so hard for me to finally fully let go of the, of the head and of the mind. How can I really practice this and why should I do it? I mean, when you say you have an empty state and then maybe something can enter, Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is already enough, uh, you know, pleasure for me to give it a try. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Not everybody wants this. And we are not uh, all made for meditation. The problem is that in our modern world, uh, everybody has access to everything. But when you read the traditional yoga texts, it's written many, many times everywhere that this is a secret. This is just for a real uh, students, sadhaka, and a real uh, which have a disciple. It has to be taught by the master. It doesn't have to be given to everybody. It's, So in a way, it's good to make it more democratic and to give this knowledge to everybody because maybe more people will be serious, but uh, serious in this, I mean, you can be serious with something else. But um, what I want to say is that this is, the sage say sometimes this is the natural state. And this is very important to understand it in the proper way. The natural state, this inner silence and this uh, removing totally of the ego is natural state, not in the sense of nature, like the trees, the birds, the dogs, the cows. The... No, this is not the way the animals live. And this is not the way probably we are programmed genetically to live. That's why the sage, if you study the life of the great sage, like uh, Ramana Maharshi, uh, Ramakrishna, uh, Manandamai, uh, none of them had children. And if everybody lived like them, the world would disappear in uh, the human race would disappear in uh, in fifty years, so um, or in hundred years. So this natural state is not the biological state. Normally, uh, a human being doesn't have to stop thinking. Maybe we in the modern modern world we are thinking too much, definitely. But it doesn't mean that the people who live in a natural places they are not thinking all the time probably everybody is thinking nonstop the whole life from the birth to death. And it's all right. It's all right. It's uh, the biological life, but it's not what the sages uh, talk about when they speak about natural state. They speak. I, I, I thought a lot about this uh, formula, natural state. They speak about the state, like the state of the universe. If you, if you look at the universe, you will see many, many things. Many stars, many planets, many many clouds, big clouds, strange things, meteorites, et cetera, et cetera, And just in a few, little, little space, maybe just in our planet, maybe in a few planets, just very, very, and in a very, very small scale of temperature. So if you go to the North Pole and to the South Pole, there is not what we call life, or almost not. And so this biological life is just a very, very tiny part of the universe. So probably, if you if you think about the the whole the whole, when the sage said this is the natural state state of the whole, it's included much more things than just uh, biological life. The one visitors uh, one time say to uh, Sri Nisargadatta Maharaj, I don't know if you know Sri Nisargadatta Maharaj,
1: no. the
0: great saint and. Yeah, I will tell about him maybe another time, <laughs> if you invite me again. And uh, he, I will say, but the happiness you you propose us is the happiness of the stones. The happiness of the stones. And uh Maharaj, he answered, what is wrong with stones?
1: I assume that you have a lot of moments in your life that are without ego because you practice yoga a lot, you give uh, lessons. So you are often in an egoless state. Is this correct?
0: I will, I will answer very honestly to your question because um, it's easy to cheat people and to say uh, something which is not totally uh, correct. On one side, I have moments where I experience uh, deep meditation. I try to answer to this question without ego and without lying. Uh, for instance, this night during my sleep, I had a very deep, uh, mm-hmm. uh, there there was, there have been very deep uh, moments of, uh, of meditation. Very, very deep. Um, now, during the day, I have a family, I have a lot of things at home happening. I have to deal with many things. And this for daily life, I'm not uh, always in samadhi, of course, because uh, it's impossible to... And I'm not also in the state of Samadhi that we call uh, sabija Samadhi or Savikalpa Samadhi, where the sage is also active, but at the same time, he's merging. Abs- no, I'm not in this state. But during the day, what I do and what I can advise people to do is to use Yama-Niyama. you know Yama-Niyama? No. Yama-Niyama is the rules of yoga about how to deal with daily life, what you have to do and what you have to avoid. And this, is, this should be our, our guide line for our daily life, this yama niyama. Can you share what, some of these oh, yeah. guidelines? Uh, it's very, very simple. It looks very simple. For instance, Asteya, uh, not stealing. Uh, satya, truth, the truth. But that's what I try to do answering your question, not to pose like a great sage, but I'm absolutely not. Uh, aparigraha. Aparigraha is not to accumulate a lot of things. Uh, brahmacharya Brahmacharya is to, to, be the, to, to master our sexual uh, impulse, to master our sexual life, to be the master of our sexual life and not to be the slave of our impulsions or instincts. This is Brahmacharya. Uh, and so on. There are many yama and yama. It's very interesting to study. There are five yama and five yama in, uh, in the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali and 10 yama and 10 yama in the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, for instance. So this is, uh, well, I could speak about this for a very long time, but maybe you don't have so much time
1: I, I would have so much time, but, or, or, um, but my thoughts are running in my head. Cause yeah, I really thought and I, and I'm very happy that you said you're honest. You have your moments without ego and deep meditations, yeah. but in a daily life, it's not always possible. In daily life, we try to do this our is best. what I was. Yeah. This is what I was struggling. I had these moments and I enjoyed them. I felt very peaceful and calm. And then life hit me again. Yeah. And I was like, how, how do, Do others do it, and it's nice to know that. And and more, I can
0: go even further. This story of ego, ego is not a mistake of the nature. Ego is not uh, something bad that you have to remove. Ego is something very necessary for daily life, for biological life. Ego is here to so that you want to protect your body first and your family first, and you want to have desire for the opposite uh, sex and you want to make children, to make a family. Uh, ego is all this. You want to, you want to eat. You're hungry. You want to eat. You want to feed your, your children. You want to, to take care of your husband or your boyfriend more than the boyfriend or somebody else. It's not dirty. It's not bad. It's uh, absolutely uh, adapted to the biological life. So we don't have to feel guilty because we have an ego. It's, it's absolutely normal. The, this illusion, the sage, the sage, this is an illusion. You are not separated from the rest of the world. But to feel separated is very useful in biological life. If somebody uh, aggress, uh, I don't know, often somebody aggress my son, I will do something. Maybe I will fight like an animal. Or I want to fight. It's not bad because after he, he will leave my son alone.
1: What does... Yoga, what is one of the oldest physical activity, bring or offer for the Western world that we can or actually use, not being a monk and meditate the whole day, but what is like your five main things that it can offer to us?
0: Yes. It's a very good question. If you think that yoga is something extremely serious, and if you read Hatha Yoga Pradipika, it's written that you have to live in a in a little little place, secluded place to make, uh, to get arms, to buy your food, etc. But so this is game over for us, so we stop. We don't practice yoga at all. But if you go to India, even for a very long time, you will see that uh, even in India, in some families, many families, they practice a little bit of yoga, a little bit of pranayama, a little bit of yoga. So the very good news is that a little bit of yoga brings a little bit of relief. Because it, it takes you a little bit in the direction of, uh, because these tensions uh, is, happen when the ego is too strong, really too strong, when it's, or when it's frustrated, or when there's something, something wrong. So yoga is bringing a little, it's like when you look at the sky, with, you look at these stars, and you feel suddenly a little bit better, because all your little problems, you see, oh, there is all these things. Okay, you cannot go to the stars, you will never go to the stars, it's too far. But the fact that you see them, you, you can already uh, breathe a little bit more because this is the truth. There is all this stuff around. We are nothing compared to this uh, immensity.
1: So it shares with us a, a little glimpse of what is possible.
0: Yeah, and it's also an invitation to practice more if you want to feel more after i don't want to say that the progress is a line that, uh, the more you practice the more you know sometimes you you remove a little bit of ego and you find back some things from your childhood which are shaking your <laughs> your personality and it's uh, you feel uh, like it's uh, you have you felt better before when you had a lot of friends making parties it was more stable you know and now you start to, to look a little bit inside also to look at your ego, how it works. And, and then you have a lot of things coming at the surface. So it can be also painful sometimes. It's not a, a, a very quiet trip. The spiritual way is struggle.
1: Imagine I would be an old friend of you back in France and I would have now we meet again after 15 years and I would know nothing about what happened in your life. What do you think would be the major things that I would see how you changed and developed?
0: In 15 years.
1: Yeah, in the last 15 yeah. years.
0: I would say it's a good, um, it's a good scale of time for to, to judge progression. From one year to the other it's uh, it's already difficult to see a big change because, you know, as me, the years are going very fast <laughs> and faster and faster uh, in our perception. So what I can say, compared to 15 years ago, I'd take 15 years. So, yeah, I'm a bit more than 40. Uh, if you took me uh, 25, I think the reactions uh, to uh, situations that I don't, I didn't imagine like this is much more flexible. The reaction to people who speak to me not the way I, I would have expected, for instance, or the the changing in my schedule or the facing this is easier now than 15 years ago, much easier. After I don't want to speak about experiences of meditation because they happen and after they disappear, and after they happen again, and in different form, it's very difficult to judge. and It's not the most important. Many people think when you practice yoga, you judge your progression at the number of time you have an experience of meditation or somebody uh, or kundalini or this uh, stuff. And it doesn't prove anything. But when you see, that's why I was speaking about yamaniyama. Yama. When you see that you made progress in yamaniyama, yama, in uh, respecting the rules and it's easier for you. Uh, it's not painful to respect the rules, like the rules for driving a car. Right? So when you are more quiet, it's easy to respect the rules. When you are very angry or very stressed, you tend to make something forbidden, to do something forbidden because you are in a hurry, because you are nervous. because. And um, yeah, I would answer like this. More... Flexibility. I don't speak about the body. After 40 years old, you will get not get much more flexibility. Finish. It's very good. It's very good when it's over. All these things um, which stick you to your body. So it's good to practice.
1: Would you also say that it's easier for you to face uncertainty and things that, that just happen and um and how you respond to the not knowing?
0: That's exactly what I mean. How you face the things that you don't know. And the fact that you don't know what will happen also. This simple fact is difficult to face. Because we want to, to feel it safe. And yoga tells you that the, the part of you that wants to feel safe will never be safe. The, the ego wants to feel safe. The ego will never be safe. It's always strengthening. It's always, uh, it will disappear at the end. So the, the ego knows that, uh, it has to struggle nonstop. The solution is not to struggle against the ego, which is himself struggling or itself struggling. is to realize your own nature, which is, which is much more than this
1: preparing this interview, I tried to find out some things about yoga and ancient, te- ancient texts. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that yoga is all about being in the present moment. And some of the ancient ancient texts says that um, past and future are just ideas of our mind. And if you live in this, it's all about suffering. And I can combine this very much with stretching your own limits because when I was doing the downward facing dog for the first time, the yoga teacher said like, this is a resting position. I thought I never <laughs> reached that state when I think downward facing dog is a resting position. And now for me, downward facing dog, and even I'm not press practicing yoga on a daily basis is a resting position. So I, I was wondering if this also can happen, you know, metaphorically that even now for me, past and present, uh, uh, past and future is really important, but maybe it gives me the chance to relax into the present more. You know, that flexibility in the body also makes flexibility in the mind In the mind, after all.
0: It has to, and that's what we have to look for when we practice flexibility of the body. And uh, it's a lot of questions. There are two questions in one. Uh, the limits of our body that we stretch and after the present moment. I I know that for you it's related in your question, but I try to dissociate again the two questions. Uh, It's true that uh, I was explaining maybe yesterday in a class that the the progression of yoga asana in the postures, I speak only about the posture, is when you, at the beginning, you feel comfortable in 10% of the postures and after 20, and after 30, and after 80, and after mm, 90, 90, 90 95, because some postures are really, really, uh, uh, require big, big, big effort. This is a very good uh, way to, to judge your progression in uh, the posture. It means you bring some, uh, a little bit of med- a little bit of spirituality, a little bit of relief in the positions. That's a very good sign. It's not only the sign that your body is making progress. It's also the the sign that you are more able to you're able to breathe deeply in a, in difficult physical situations. It's not automatically that because you are able to breathe deeply in more different positions, you will be able to stay quiet in uh in all the, the situations of life. It's not so closely connected. You have to practice pranayama. Pranayama is the link between the body and the mind. If you don't use, you cut this link. you say, okay, I practice just Postures, I breathe deeply in the pose, and it's enough. And that's pranayama. No, no, that's not pranayama. It's not absolutely not pranayama. Pranayama is I sit down, and uh, then there are special exercises, a lot and very. Uh, it's a big tradition, very very important because it's the it's the link between the body and the mind. If you don't use this link, then the two, especially when you would get used. First time you, you feel this in downward facing dog, down, you will think it's fantastic. I'm able to feel good. And, and the, the next time you will already start to think, oh, what I will eat after the class. Because you feel good, your mind will feel more freedom. You will immediately fill this uh, empty state with thoughts. Immediately. I would say unfortunately, but no, it's not unfortunately. It's nature. It's biology. It's like this.
1: And the second part of the question will you also answer this now I'm curious
0: <laughs> But let's uh, let's use a little a little not a joke but the past doesn't exist because it's finished the future doesn't exist because uh, it doesn't happen it's just in my imagination and what about the present moment what is the moment
1: it's already gone when we when we speak about it right
0: exactly you got it yeah a moment is like a point. A point has an existence in mathematics, but not in, uh, not, but in real life. A point has no dimension, no height, no width. Do, does something like this exist in, uh, in life? No. There is no point. It doesn't exist, a point. Moment doesn't exist. There is no moment. Because as soon as you start to talk moment, the moment is gone. Mm-hmm. So it's just, a, it's just a formula, which is not totally bad. But I want just to attract your attention on the fact that it's really, uh, the danger is to uh, is empty talks about this present moment. Uh, and also about something else which is interesting is that to look for the moment is to refuse the movement. And if you refuse the movement, uh, think about the river, for instance. You There is a boat. It's a very, very strong uh, stream, but there is a stream. You go into the river and you... Attach, you, you grab a tree, a branch of a tree, and you say, I will find the present moment. And then you feel the difference between your position and the speed of the river. And it's very difficult. But if you release this branch and you, you are, you let yourself be carried really uh, peacefully by the river, then there is no difference between the, the water and yourself. And it's much more relaxing. Probably. And you don't have to worry if there is a waterfall or no waterfall. (laughs) Just relax. Probably there is only the ocean, and the ocean is the ocean of meditation.
1: Yeah. I have nothing to add to this. can Can you explain me a bit? I was always interested as a yoga a student and um about mantras. I really like to um after the class um chant mantras together, and I felt how also how powerful the singing together is. Can you share maybe what mantras are meant to, and maybe you have one that that is your favorite one that you want to share with us?
0: It's very. Deep question, mantra. Mantra, if you take the meaning of the word mantra, it doesn't mean anything interesting. <laughs> the way for <of> the, <laughs> the mind uh, to work, no. Uh, but we all know what is mantra, and at the same time, we don't know exactly what it is. Mantra is the a sound. And even if I say that mantra is a sound, it's written in traditional Indian texts that the most powerful mantra is without sound in your head, 10 times or 1,000 times more powerful than if you say the mantra with sound. I don't know from which side to take this, uh, this question because the mantra. A mantra is, uh, I still can say that it's about sound. It can be an inner sound that you, that you repeat in your head or outer sound where you really actually create some vibration. There are three levels of uh, singing a mantra. The first one is with your voice, with the vibration of the air second one is, uh I think in English, it's with low voice, like you say like this, uh, Like whispering. Whispering, thank you. When you whisper a mantra, it's the second uh, way of practicing, it's say that it's already a hundred times more powerful. And if you repeat the mantra just in your head, it say that it's even a thousand times more powerful. So why uh are we sometimes singing mantras with our voice? It's because when the mind is really agitated and not not stable at all, it's sometimes good to use the sound because it's very powerful to because when the mind is a bit gross you have to when you have a big uh ghost in Russian, what is that you you hit on it with a hammer
1: you mean a nail or what a I nail told? exactly yeah. when you
0: have a big nail, you need a big hammer. If you have a very, very small, tiny nail like this, you will not use such a big hammer because you will crush your fingers at the same time, a you know, smaller one. <laughs> so it's, a, it's like this, this. three ways of practicing mantras. You can alternate also. Mantra is a very good practice. Mantra is a, the practice of mantra. is called japa, japa yoga, not just japa. Um, the idea of uh, japa is like you... We take, again, the story of the hammer. It's like to hit a stone with a hammer, but not too strong, just a little bit like this. But you don't hit the stone uh, 10 times. You hit the stone three hours a day, for instance, and you don't see any change. Boom, 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 boom. There is no difference. And in fact, in, inside the structure of the stone, there are little... Uh, yes, exactly. And you don't see them, but you just keep going... And one time it will be the last hit, the last uh, and the whole stone is exploding. So this is to hit the ego with the hammer of the mantra that will make the ego ultimately uh, disappear. It's a long process. And it has to be very often practiced with the breath. Most of the, of the mantras, you can adapt them to the breath. It's also very powerful. You can even count the duration of, of uh, the, the breath in pranayama with the mantra.
1: So would it make sense that I choose like a, a certain mantra for a certain period, that this is always hitting the stone? Or what What
0: would you recommend? First, I will tell you a few words about the tradition of the mantra. So tradition, traditionally, the mantra is given by the guru and the uh, shith- A tissue that that nobody can see what happens. It's a very, very ancient tradition. It's called Diksha. Diksha is the initiation. And the guru is uh, giving to the shishya, to the disciple, the mantra at the ear, uh, whispering. Uh, And like this, it's uh, it's very secret and very powerful. You have one mantra for your whole life and you never change. So, this is the tradition about mantra. This is very ancient. But not so ancient like the Veda, because in the Veda, the, the mantras, they were just uh, pronounced by the priests, which were doing, uh, which were uh, uh, performing the puja. But it was not to be repeated the whole day. It, it's a little bit later in the Indian tradition. Nobody knows exactly yet which year it started to be used like this. But uh, now mantra is like this in the tradition of India. Diksha, initiation, and then you have your mantra for your whole life because the guru knows you and or she gives you exactly the mantra that we're doing. Um, And also the fact that you have total faith in your guru makes the mantra much more powerful, because it reminds you the guru, and then it has a special power. So I know your question. It will be, uh, if I don't have a guru, uh, do I have to stop practicing mantra? Or So I asked this question of uh, to uh, an Indian sage, where I didn't have my mantra, it was uh, already a long time ago, but I understand the answer this person, which uh, was Swami Vijayananda in the ashram, he was a disciple of Mananda And he uh, told me, uh, maybe he told me this because it was me, but I heard later that he told also to other people that we can use the ohm. Because the home is very, uh, very pure, very natural, very, um, very universal. It's the sound of the whole. It's very powerful. It should be the only mantra, because it's at the beginning of each mantra once you have the Aum. Uh, but why not everybody use the Aum? Because when the mind is very agitated, we need something a bit longer. That's why the Christians, they use long prayer. Also, uh, in India, they use long prayer sometimes. The Mahamrityunjaya Mantra or the Gayatri Mantra which are much longer than the Aum. But there is Aum at the beginning. If you use only the OM, it's, uh, it's safe. It's safe to use the OM, But it's difficult to capture totally the mind with only the OM.
1: So are you using mantras in, in, when you're teaching people?
0: Mm, very good question. If you teach, I use the OM. When I train teachers, I teach them all the most, uh, the most popular mantras, all of them. But when I really teach to, to students, like I have a student that I, uh, to whom, uh, that I am teaching every day, every day for many years, and we, we sing only the home together. I don't feel ready to give him a mantra. I'm not a guru. Uh, I'm not Indian. And, uh, so you see, but when it's student from the teacher training, then we, we chant, we chant mantra together because it's my job to teach them mantra. But I say, uh, I, Tell them also the real tradition of mantra. It's not a, it's not an initiation that they give. It's just how to pronounce correctly. And we have a Sanskrit teacher, Sampada, which is teaching us how to pronounce exactly uh, the mantras because she's Indian. And English. It's uh, it's okay. But you see, it's a complicated question. <laughs> Each of your question is a, a whole uh, whole book that we have to write about this. Yeah.
1: You see, this is the thing I thought I have an idea what yoga is, what meditation is, what mantra is, what breathing is. And then I asked these questions like, you know, a a small girl just asking out of curiosity. Um, And I I really didn't realize how how much there is behind
0: it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And if you ask me what is the breath, then we start for another. You can imagine. But this, it shows something. It shows something. It doesn't show that you have to read a uh, hundred tons of books about yoga to understand exactly. You know. It shows that when you want to understand all these things which are related per- to creativity, it's uh, it's never ending. So, do you really want to understand totally everything about mantras? A lot of great sages like uh, I don't know, uh, Ramakrishna, Manandabhi, they didn't they have uh, almost not been to school. So, it's not a problem not to understand. It's not a problem not to understand. It. So, you just have to know can I do this? Can I do that? You have to ask the right person what you have to do. And after you do, because the the most advanced uh, yogis are people who don't understand anything anymore. As soon as you understand, it, beginning of the, you are blocking something.
1: I'm not sure if I want a state where I don't understand anything anymore, but it sounds nice at the same time.
0: <laughs> in deep meditation, we don't know anything, Yeah. but, uh, when we are not in deep meditation, we have to be interested by a lot of things. It's really good. Huh? You have to stay alive and not say sure, nothing is interesting. I do yoga, so life is disgusting. No, no, we are here. There are a lot of interesting things, but you know that you will never understand totally, uh, totally anything, especially when it's related to spirituality. But even if it's related to a book, if I start to look at the structure of this book with a microscope, I will reach a point where I don't understand what is inside.
1: <laughs> I hope my next question yeah. is not such a huge question. Okay. <laughs> um, in the last years or decade, yoga became very, very popular all over the world. And um as, as far as I know, there are more than 100 yoga styles or yoga forms. There's Hatha yoga, hot yoga, yoga with crystals. Then there's electric music in yoga, aerial yoga, acro yoga, all these different styles. You as a yoga teacher and somebody who, who just appears to me as really, um, understands all the backgrounds as well. What do you think about these new movements and new forms? Is it something that is, is a great development or is it going too far away from the original yoga?
0: What I can say is that uh, every yoga style that is using positions of the body, different positions of the body, different breathing exercises, is coming from Hatha yoga. So all these new styles are extensions or shortenings (laughs) of Hatha yoga. What is my uh, understanding of Hatha Yoga is that it's so huge when you read uh, Hatha Yoga texts and when you see uh, Hatha Yogis and you understand that it's so big. There is even devotion in Hatha Yoga. When you read, uh, for instance, Garanda Samhita, there is a little uh, verse about devotion, say that the Bhakti, Marga, the, the, the... the path of devotion is uh, when you have a strong emotion thinking about God and you have tears in your eyes and hair, dressing say in your head. It cannot happen to me, but maybe to you. Uh, then you are, you, it's part of bhakti. It's, uh, it's the supreme uh, devotion, and it's, uh, it's a very good way to uh, to idea. To so even in the Hatha Yoga text, you have this. And at the end of Hatha Yoga Pradipika, for instance, it's a very, very Vedantic, and it's very close to Gnana Yoga. It say that uh, you are like a, a big pot, open pot in the ocean, with the water inside and outside. There is no difference between inside and outside. It's a metaphor of the body. There is no border between inside and outside the body. So it's really Gnana. It's really Indian philosophy. So you have breathing exercises, now, you, go. you have positions, you have hundred different meditations—meditations meditations on the light, meditation on the tender, meditation on the inner sound. You have devotion. You have uh, understanding of the real nature. You have disappearance this appear- this of the ego at the end. So now you want to create something new about this. Uh, why? The question is why. Is it not fast enough? It's not good enough for you. It's not, uh, you want more. Uh, fun, it's not fun enough maybe so I see only I, saw, I always saw only bad reasons to create new styles of yoga the only good reason would be a great great sage and again I would ask myself the question is it a really great sage, that's a thing I did like this it works, it's more simple it's, it's more adaptive for you you do like this okay, then we can try but it's even risky because it could not be a very old tradition and you don't know if this master is really as great as he pretends to be. So uh, personally, I always thought that there are so many things in Hatha Yoga or in Bhakti Yoga you can pray. You can, but to create a new style uh, out of Hatha Yoga, but let's speak about Hatha yoga. To create something new from Hatha Yoga is really... Um, If I I were a little bit uh, uh, direct, I would say it's a lack of uh, humility. Before I was always avoiding uh, speaking like this, but why not if it's revelating?
1: So this means you only practice harta yoga?
0: No, at the same time, (laughs) to stay open-minded. You can go to any (laughs) yoga class and you will always find... Something interesting in the way... For instance, if you, you go to a Vinyasa class, class, for instance, you can discover a nice transition between two positions that you practice every day. And you say, oh, instead of standing up like an elephant and taking the next pose, I could do like this with the breath, and it's nice. But there is no... It will not lead you faster to, the, to freedom or to samadhi. No, this I don't believe. But physically, there can be people who are very clever, like they do in America. They are very clever to find good uh, transitions, good things that look very, at the same time, it looks very good and it feels very good. and And why not? Why not? Why not? So, no new ways to uh, samadhi, to freedom, to wisdom. No, but uh, creative physical things can be funny and we have to stay open-minded also and not to, but at the same time to have the background, to, to know what we are doing. I go to Vinyasa class, it's not to become a sage. It's to to feel good. It's good for the body. It's good for my joints. I feel good and there are good traditions, and, uh, and it's fine.
1: What I remember now once I attended, it was the only time I attended a life yoga class with you. It was in Moscow when I was there for work. And you said to me that you actually enjoy being in beginner classes on your own because there you can really, uh, relax into the pose and enjoy the pose. Yeah. I, I thought this was very fascinating because I was always like, ah, oh, you have to stretch your limits. And oh. then, and you said the opposite. And this was, this was really something that um, always stayed with me.
0: That's a very good thing that stayed with you. Yeah. Yeah, beginner's class. It's very easy to to practice more yoga and to develop more your ego. Very easy. It's a trap. It's, uh, you have to be very careful to avoid this trap. And, I, um, yeah, that's why I, I spoke uh, about this profusion of different styles. It's, there is the question of uh, horizontality and verticality. If you, you, you live vertically, or you, we, we are not totally vertical, it, but either you discover new things, always, always new, 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 always excited and always excited, but always at the surface, or you decide that this is okay for me because it, I'm sure I have the faith that it works. I really, I know what I want, this inner peace, this samadhi, this this is really something that makes me a burning desire to my body, to my mind. I really, and then this is the way, because I tried already a hundred different ways, of, I want to follow this way, and maybe this person, but you have to be careful. And then It will be boring, it will be repetitive, it will be uh, dry sometimes, it will be not funny every day, but to go, it's like when you study a music instrument, you say, oh, I want to play like this guy, and you start and after two weeks, you say, what for, what is the use to do this, and then the mind is very good to make you uh, understand that you have to give up, or to change, to change, to try something new. No, no the way to yourself.
1: In a a world full of so many opportunities, isn't it nice to stay with one thing and really deepen it?
0: No. It's very hard as long as you don't feel any reward.
1: Mm.
0: As long as you don't feel any reward, it's really dry. And what can help you um, for this period of time when you don't get anything uh, really good from meditation? It's just an effort that you make is to be surrounded by people who share the same uh, same uh, interest. It's, it's very basic, but in all the spiritual traditions, there is a notion of community. And, uh, you have to not to be alone. It's very, very hard to be alone in general, but in spiritual path, it's the same. We never have to be alone uh, except in some spiritual, uh, very special ways where you are required by the guru to live alone for but uh, in fact, you can you can practice alone in the morning, for instance. But to be alone in the spiritual path is really difficult. You have to, to have good friends around. And after, at the end, when you reach deep meditation, you are even not alone because you connect with the whole. So this feeling of loneliness, I'm lonely. It doesn't have to be exaggerated. Uh, it's painful.
1: I have three last questions. Let's go. And the first of the three last one is: What is your biggest fear?
0: I'm afraid that uh, sometimes that what I what I teach or what I try to give to people is not working. Oh, it's not received in a, in a good way. Oh, it doesn't, uh, yeah, it doesn't work. And even this fear is not good because we should not be afraid of the. But the fruits of our actions. We have to do the best we can and after to not to be interested by the results. For me it's very difficult.
1: Second question. What are you currently doing that you still don't know how it will turn out?
0: Everything. Everything.
1: Now it's the third question already. What is not a question, but it's something special. Mm-hmm. I have this book here where I put a lot of quotes, uh, in that I just liked very much. And what I will do is I will flip through the pages and you will say stop. Okay. And then you will comment on the quote that you just accidentally hit.
0: Okay. Let's go.
1: Yeah. So, okay. I will start and you say stop. Wait. Stop. So do you want to have left or right? Left. Left. And there is one, two, three, four on the left side. Do you want to have one, two, three or four? No. (laughs) This is, it is always the funniest thing because it's written by Yogi Bhajan, and I think it's only two yogis that are in this book and you hit one. So I I love, I love when these things happen. So the, the quote is the following. If you are willing to look at another person's behavior towards you as a reflection of the state of their relationship with themselves, rather than a statement about your value as a person, then you will, over a period of time, cease to react at all.
0: Uh-huh. I understood. Yeah, it means that you don't have to take uh, the behavior of the others as something directed toward yourself because take it personally. And then, if you stop uh, taking things personally, of course, it's unactivated something. It's uh, unactivating something uh, which is related to our reactions, yeah, yeah, very often you in some situations, we have to repeat to ourselves, don't take it personally, it's mm-hmm. really good, it's very simple, but uh very often we we take something incredibly personally, and after we have, oh, but this person is doing it with everybody, don't worry, oh, are yeah, really, and suddenly we feel better no we can we can do like this from the beginning. Because most of things we face, especially when you practice yoga, you want to be more and more uh, closer and closer to the natural state, the state of the universe, means the state zero, <laughs> the basic state. So everything you will observe that, seem, that seems excessive to you, it is actually excessive, because you are in the center. So it's, uh, there is nothing to be taken personally. This is the first level of understanding. And second level of understanding, uh, the ego is an illusion. doesn't happen. So as soon as you feel something personally or react personally to what somebody told to you, because you still are in the illusion, so it's your fault. It's it's our responsibility to... If we want... If we want want to stay on the level of uh, this guy, I will have my revenge and everything. Then it's like animals, and it's even more... Sticky with uh, with human beings because we have a better memory than animals most of the time, and we are very good to um, make stories about things. So, uh, yeah, it's always a personal reaction. It's always an illusion. At the last level of understanding.
1: Sebastian, thank you so much.
0: Thank you very Merci much, Katarina. It was a pleasure.
1: If you like this podcast, please follow me on Facebook at podcast into the unknown or on Instagram into underscore the underscore unknown underscore podcast. You can listen to this podcast on www.intotheunknown.at, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.